0: we like to think of ourselves as uh sort of the first, you know, with a with a composer a new music composer. Uh we're basically we get to start the tradition. Like we hopefully are not the last quartet that will play these pieces, right? But, you know, with Beethoven we come from a long tradition of string quartets that have played it before us. And of course, we're looking for something new to say about Beethoven because you know, it's such a goldmine of, of of information and of of emotion and expression. You know, and with the new pieces, we're simply the first to start the tradition and then take it into the future. So, and and we also like to think that uh, we would we're more like a, a curatorial voice in in pieces because rarely do we do one piece alone without putting it in any sort of context. Even everything we do, we put it into some sort of context. We feel that that hits harder or it, it you know, it, it allows you to see anything in many different lights, which is only gives depth to the experience. Juxtaposing Beethoven with the new, or putting various different voices around topic together and presenting them together, that's that's really the experience that's the brooklyn rider voice coming through is that context
1: welcome hello everyone this is relevant tones i am your host matt dosland and today i am very fortunate to be joined by michael nicholas cellist of brooklyn rider good morning michael how are you good morning thanks for having me of course of course it's a pleasure to have you on um for those who don't know uh brooklyn rider is a string quartet uh made up of johnny Gandelsman, colin jacobson playing violin, Nicholas Chords, playing violin, of course. Our guest today, Michael Nicholas, playing cello. They've released 18 albums since 2008, most recently Healing Modes in March of 2020. They're one of the foremost promoters and performers of new music in the world, and they recently had a performance at the Walker Arts Center in Minneapolis with Kehan Kalhoor and Matthias Kuntzli. Do you have anything to add about, you want to say about Brooklyn
0: Well, uh, I mean, we'll get into it during this interview, but uh, talking about uh, the performance last, um, what was it? On Friday? Friday? Yeah. Yes. Just to mention, um, that is uh, a collaboration with Kehan Kalor, the uh, Iranian Comanche player. It is basically the the first collaboration outside of the uh, traditional Western classical tradition that Brooklyn Rider embarked upon. Being that this is a collaboration that goes back... 15 even 16 17 18 years um it's wonderful to come back to every time and especially me as a non-founding member every time it comes back together it changes slightly and you know after the the pandemic this was uh wonderful to to revisit
1: this this music of course and i think uh colin said it at the performance but silent city is a piece that has continued to be relevant as unfortunate as that is in a certain way because of the subject matter of it and the emptiness of a city that's been destroyed. But then there is that perpetual optimism that it finishes on. And I did want to ask you a little bit just about what it was like to come into that relationship that was already formed between, you know, the other members of Brooklyn Rider and Kahan, because... I and mean, they had obviously had a long-standing working relationship uh, with Colin and Nicholas in uh, Silk Road Ensemble, in Brooklyn Rider as well, and then for you to come in. Uh, what was that like?
0: I mean, of course, I had uh, the greatest guides. Uh, I was, of course, unfamiliar with Persian classical music coming into to the quartet, as were Nick and Colin before they met Kahan. So as Kahan was their guide... Kahan and the quartet were my guide. You know that's that's a little bit a summation of the ethos of Brooklyn Rider in that we're constantly seeking to enlarge the the tent, bring more people into the fold, and and create these sorts of connections uh, across borders, across cultures, and uh, just to explore the areas in which music can thrive and creative connections.
1: You bring a lot of people into the string quartet genre and expand on an already deep tradition, but truly trying to move that medium forward. And Brooklyn Rider is a string quartet, but it's it, it's not that often, actually. It's just a string quartet on stage, really, um, which I think is very interesting, and it's so much fun as an audience member as a listener as a musician to see that on stage and I'm always impressed by your ability as a group to remain cohesive and then bring someone into that fold and what's that like to bring to have your ethos as a quartet and then to bring people into that what how does that collaboration unfold from kind of the start
0: well it is a it is a two-way street so it's not really bringing people under our tent or going into someone else's tent, but just enlarging the tent exactly so that we're all sort of exploring a new space. We're stretching and our collaborators are stretching and what results is is new for both of us. You know, I like what you said about the idea of of moving forward and new music, but uh, paradoxically, we also like to think of ourselves a little bit as uh, proponents of the tradition, like you know, famously Arnold Schoenberg, the composer who invented the the 12-tone technique, which was a very forward-thinking sort of musical language. Uh, However, in his own mind, he said that, oh, my discovery of this type of music will ensure the uh, supremacy of German music for the next hundred years. Uh, So he thought of himself as a torchbearer for the tradition. Uh, And incidentally, Schoenberg was a member of a group of artists, uh, a collective known as Die Blaue Reiter, the Blue Rider, uh, which uh, is a little bit of the inspiration for Brooklyn Rider, in that Schoenberg and Kandinsky and Franz Marc and a group of like-minded artists, they wanted to go outside of academia and outside of the traditional inspirations for art and look into cross-cultural uh, references or children's art or just anywhere that hadn't been looked at before to try to find inspiration to push the medium forward. And that's a little bit kind of what we do. We, we try to look in places where, you know, there, there might be a space to be explored and see what happens while firmly, firmly, you know, looking back and planting a, a solid foot in the tradition.
1: Of course, and that, that, is, that does come through in uh, healing modes, um, you know, of course you take one of the most titanic pieces that hangs over every string quartet. If you are to be a string quartet, you'll eventually play Beethoven's Opus 132 and it and I think that third movement, I believe as it's described on the you know the liner notes for this record I have always thought of that myself. It's one of the most just beautiful, moments in a, in a string quartet the middle of that movement where it just comes it's an incredible piece but interspersing that with context for today with f- five different composers and incredible composers writing new music and spacing that throughout the record i thought it was done brilliantly and maybe we can talk about that a little bit the the way that that project came about sure yeah uh, thanks so
0: much um So this project, Healing Modes, uh, did in fact stem from the third movement of the Beethoven Opus 132 Quartet. It was a piece that we'd loved and wanted to tackle for a long time, and we just wanted to find the right context for it. And of course, the third movement uh, was written after a bout of severe illness by Beethoven, and it depicts a sort of renewed strength uh, after having healed from that illness, and we thought it's not even uh, so much a return of his physical strength, but uh, more his creative power. Uh, what what went on in his mind when he was sick and then to be debilitated and then to finally come back and be able to write again. That must have been an incredible emotional journey. And we wanted to build a project around the the idea of of healing. And so we we thought, oh, the, the Beethoven has five movements, let's commission five short pieces by composers to, to provide a, a balance with, with the Beethoven. The, the interspersing idea on the album, uh, that came about later when we received the pieces and they all came with such vari- varying uh, vibes and emotions and they, they really seemed as if they were separate movements in an, in an overarching work. You know, we received Gabriella Elena Frank's piece earlier in the process, and we, and we thought, oh, this has a very dance-like quality. In fact, it was commissioned by the Vale International Dance Festival. And uh, we thought, oh, that's a wonderful second-movement-sounding sort of piece. You know, Du Yun's piece was incredibly intense and, uh, and Matina's uh, very searing and and unflinching and caroline's piece was was a bomb sort of the way uh like like the third movement but also in the beethoven what's funny is that there's this monumental third movement where we go into all sorts of depths of of human emotion and then right after that movement that monumental movement there's the fourth movement which starts in a in a in an odd way it's like a miniature march and it's 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 this weird juxtaposition between like the lofty and like you know the the banal and beethoven did this a lot you know in in his opus 135 string quartet his last string quartet that he wrote you know he had this portentous theme in the first movement and then that's musa and it's and it's this this comedic sort of you know, like oh, must it be? Must it be? Very portentous, and then oh, it must be, and and then it's it's like a joke. <laughs> yes. I, I don't I don't know what commentary that makes on on life or Beethoven's philosophy, but it's very much like all you know, all humor and and pathos and and all you know, very very balanced like that. So that's sort of what we were thinking when we decided to put them all together in one long suite.
1: That's that's very I mean that's fascinating to hear and then I I think a lot has been said about this album's the timing of its release and its subsequent growth. I mean just the growth of that subject matter, the idea of that album as healing modes, that Greek idea of pathos and healing. And that has gotten almost hyper you know focused now into i mean it's it's very relevant it's hyper relevant almost and it's not that you could have seen that coming but <laughs> to this extent yeah, yeah we didn't plan yeah.
0: to release the album into a pandemic yeah. Um but <laughs> as colin mentioned in the concert uh, last friday you know the great pieces or you know great composers have a way to tap into a universality where every time you play it there's like a different context in the world of course uh, but of course, the peace then is changed, and the world has changed. and there's a sort of new relevance that takes shape. So Silent City, you know, about uh, you know the return to life after devastation, you know it could be war, it could be a pandemic, it could be just just the narrative itself yes. is very universal
1: yeah absolutely and on on that universality i think actually maybe a good thing to go to is uh well by the time this is released next monday the concert will have already happened in monterey in mexico with Magos herrera but i think that's also you know we're talking about universality we're talking about bringing other people into this tent expanding the tent the the work that brooklyn Rider has done with Magos Herrera certainly does a lot of that. Uh, pieces with text from uh, Lorca, Jorge um, Berto. I mean, it, certainly bringing in a lot of those things. Maybe what, what would you have to say about that relationship, about things that you've worked on together, maybe about the upcoming concert, or past sure, concert, I suppose, yeah. for those listening. However we want to say it.
0: So, yes, our project with Magos Herrera, the uh, wonderful jazz vocalist from Mexico... Goes back several years now, uh, and in general, uh, when we do a collaboration, a lot of the times Brooklyn Rider has a love affair with a particular artist, and we sort of orbit each other, or stalk them, or follow <laughs> them, and 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 try to tr- try to find a way to collaborate. In this case, it was Magos who called us, and uh, she had an idea for a project, and she really wanted us on board, and we, you know, we bought into it because we really believed in it too. It was the idea, it was, it, maybe it turned out to be more revolutionary than if we first thought it was, but the idea that beauty is a political act and that, uh, you know, what in the face of, of oppression or, you know, for particularly the, you know, the military dictatorships in Latin America, um, you know, what is an artist's reaction to that? and beauty is that act of defiance and solidarity with people. Uh, and so uh, we created a project um, of pieces by poets and singers from uh, various uh, of these countries, and uh, it, it was titled Dreamers uh, because that's, that's what we all were or that's what they all were. They were all dreamers of a, of a better place, of a, of a, a better way of, of living. And I think the project is actually best summed up by one of the pieces, uh, Balderrama, which was made famous by Mercedes Sosa. Uh, Balderrama being a place, a sort of cafe or a bar, a, a gathering place for poets and musicians and artists where they would come together and share ideas and thoughts. And in the song... Uh, there's a line, you know, uh, what if there's no balderrama, you know, like that, that, that cafe is uh, a metaphor for just the, the space, the thought space of artistry and, and, and ideas.
2: si se apaga, valderrama.
1: Everything that Brooklyn Rider plays to me always has this beautiful core quality. I mean it's you can be playing something, you know, false harmonics, you could be playing something super uh ponticello or something very aggressive, but it still seems to have this quality of trying to create this soundscape that's beautiful and emotive and effective, um and affective. I don't what um but these these qualities and it always it seems that the work that you you do at Brooklyn Rider always seems to come back to this optimistic center, this optimistic idea of it, it can get better, it will get better, we can do better, things can get to a better place. And I, I think that's really beautiful. I don't know if that's something you intend or always see in your work. I think Colin has talked about it a number of times.
0: Yeah, I mean, as musicians, we, we like to look to the future and... To imagine that 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 better future by taking cues from the past uh, that again I, I would say that that sort of sums up the Brooklyn Rider mantra
1: <laughs> it's so fascinating to me that you're you have all of these just wildly disparate <laughs> collaborators with as a string quartet uh, genres across the board I mean everything really and and that's reflected in the music I think it's it's fantastic so kind of on that note of these upcoming programs and these kind of that new relationship with or that new old relationship with Rufus Wainwright it, what is Brooklyn Rider working on now is there any I mean it's been a year it's been a pandemic since you released something what is upcoming you have some more shows and things and ongoing projects of course but is there anything new
0: yeah i mean we're, we're always uh thinking of the next project of course you always have to be maybe two or three years ahead because a lot of especially commissioning projects have a, a lot of lead time too because you have to put out the ask for the composer and then they need that time to write the piece and a lot of times, the the crux of the project only coalesces around the pieces after they've been written. We have to hear the pieces, and then we suddenly get more light shed on our initial idea of a project. However, uh, we're currently in the starting, you know, that initial phase of a project for next season and possibly subsequent seasons uh, that we call the Four Elements. And this came from a discussion about, you know, the string quartet genre in itself being for individuals coming together to create a universe. And uh, the four elements is loosely based on the idea, the ancient idea of, you know, four core elements: earth, air, fire, water, as being the foundation of the physical world. This was a belief shared by the you know, ancient Greeks, Babylonians, Egyptians even Indians and Chinese, you know, like all across Europe and Asia. And uh, we also were thinking about um, the earth in general and how in the past hundred years, you know, this has been a time of unprecedented change in, uh, you know, uh, climate, the climate crisis and, and the human, humans acting upon the earth and changing the earth. Uh, I believe we, we call it the the Anthropocene epoch, right? And so we we have two two facets to this project. We have four pieces from the past hundred years of unprecedented change in the in the in the Earth's you know ecosystem that represent these ideas, just symbolically represent Earth, air, fire, and water. Uh, and then we've asked four composers to write pieces, you know, for the future that would be paired. So it's an eight-piece project, and it might not necessarily be a one-evening concert because that's these are these are large pieces. I mean, the traditional pieces, you know, range from Ruth Crawford Seeger, Henri Dutilleux, Dmitry Shostakovich, and Osvaldo Galihoff, and they were written, you know, in the, in the 30s, in the 60s, uh, in the early 2000s. And then, and then we'll have four pieces written in 2021, 20, uh,
1: or, yeah. <laughs> around this it, time. Ar- around somewhere. this time.
0: Uh, and the composers are Conrad uh, Tau, Akshaya Tucker, Andrea Pinto Correa, and Dan Truman. And uh, this is uh, what we're working on <laughs> now, and hopefully we'll bring to a city near you very soon
1: or next year next concert season perhaps well, i mean it's yes, certainly perhaps. something to keep an eye on i think most, most people who follow new music are definitely always looking out for new releases from brooklyn rider it uh, it's always a pleasure to have a, a new album from you all it's uh, and that that's such an interesting uh topic i mean it such a again such a relevant one but to dive deeply into climate crisis with string quartet you know with that genre and also I I really did enjoy I enjoy the way you you talked about framing it in that four elements four players often these four players are in such a tight balance and such a delicate one in the string quartet world it's can go in and out of balance very quickly and perhaps the same can be said about the climate i i'm sure you will yes. there will be subject matter for that that will come up the each composer will have a a way of doing it and i'm that's very exciting
0: yeah the, the project is on one hand you know a celebration of earth and it's uh you know the the wondrous mysteries uh of the earth but as well it's also it's we're we're trying to maybe Just start a conversation because we don't even know where it can go about the climate crisis or about, you know, the the forces that represent this, the the greatest challenge of our time
1: and for the future. Absolutely. It's certainly a conversation worth having. Uh, You mentioned in there a little bit, you were talking about leading into a project and that process, and then once you actually get the pieces things really start to coalesce and change and you know, harden into an actual idea. You know, you had this concept and now it's, you have a little bit more, you have a draft at least, you know, it's uh, what, how much does change? I mean, what, what changes from that time you first get a piece from a composer? I'm sure it varies what you're collaborating with. Uh, someone like Kehan, who improvises so much might be more, fluid uh, someone who doesn't i i don't know which composers are or through compose kind of uh people but how how does that happen
0: yeah uh yeah so obviously we start with just the germ of an idea and it's really the composers voices that give uh give body and depth to the project it's uh it's a vehicle for the composer so for example for healing modes you know we didn't know what exactly the composers wished to uh, to address. We didn't give them a prompt. We just said the topic of healing, but you are free to go in whatever direction you want. And so we received various uh, subjects from uh, depictions of personal uh, healing and narrative sort of, uh, you know, like depictions in music to... Uh, addressing societal ills to music that doesn't sound healing but it it provokes a conversation that about a subject that needs healing and so you know it's not soothing or a balm of a music uh, but it's actually quite quite searing and uh, indicting I'm referring to Matana's piece which is about the U.S. Mexico border crisis and uh, sh- to her, that was a subject matter that deeply, like a societal ill that needed addressing and in much in need of healing. So that colors our uh, perception of the project to the point where uh, Matana's piece opened our album because we thought it was, you know, it was such a strong statement to open with that. Absolutely. And then, you know, representing all the ideals that Beethoven you know the brotherhood of mankind, and why are we erecting these borders and these like we're we're trying to connect with people? You know, it's it's all very complicated, and I can't possibly be a you know can't can't say to anything about that. But it is it does open a conversation. Borderlands. Borderlands.
3: mm or... I'm <laughs> sorry. Oh.
1: how do you decide which projects to kind of move forward with cuz i'm sure you have so many ideas I, there there's so many things to talk about always and there the four of you are fantastic yeah. musicians with so many people that you know that are also fantastic musicians how does that how does that go that process well
0: it's uh, it is a lot of meetings and talking and sitting around um you know, a table, either dinner or drinks, just brainstorming. Uh, it's it's a part that, and also part opportunity. Like something will come in, and it'll seem like a great fit for a particular idea that we have, and then and that that starts the engine running and momentum gathers, and then that that happens. That turns into an album. Exactly. For example, the Nick Pahn who we're playing with. You know, in Boston and Phoenix coming up, or Scottsdale, sorry. That started off as a one-off, uh, yeah. But then momentum gathered, and and it really turned into something. And it we recorded it, and it will come out likely next year. So uh, maybe that then will create a new burst of energy into the future, and and we'll run with that some more. So it's more of a just. Catch as catch can, sort of, sort of idea. We there's it, not too much planning that goes on <laughs> because then, you know, we're gonna maybe cut ourselves off at the knees if we plan too much. Right. Just remain flexible and and keep your ears open and your eyes open for for whatever opportunities you might present yourselves. That's
1: there's no there's no master plan. <laughs> there are some ideas. No. There's a thing, and then it, it comes yeah. together a bit. That's. somehow
0: (laughs) through yeah some magical
1: thinking i'm not sure (laughs) just staying flexible i guess yeah again for those who are in boston and scottsdale go to those performance buy tickets do that anything you want to say i just
0: want to say thank you for wonderful
1: talk and uh it's been wonderful it's been a pleasure and thank you so much for agreeing to uh sit down and do this uh interview Relevant Tones is a production of Access Contemporary Music, a nonprofit organization with the mission of bringing musical creativity to life every day. Find out more at acmusic.org.